We are to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. And that's God's peace, more specifically focusing on Christ, God the Son. It's his peace. God is characterized by peace. Peace, in general, speaking of that, between relationships and parties, speaks of the opposite of division, dissension, and conflict and war. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Dave, today is letter day, and I have a letter from Ricardo from Georgia. He said, your pastor is an awesome man of God, awesome teacher. I appreciate him. Well, Ricardo, I'm just so thankful for your encouragement. Uh, it's only because the Lord has given me the gifting to to share his word, and he's given me the ability to do so. And so I'm so thankful for what God has done, and I'm thankful that he is using these gifts to bless his people And I so appreciate your appreciation. What a blessing that is to me. Thank you. Greg, I think you'd agree that we live in amazing times right now. Uh, I know you appreciate technology like I do, and we both see the use of that technology as a tool to advance the gospel. In fact, there is so much teaching available to us 24 hours a day that it can actually become overwhelming. You know, Dave, while that's true, it shouldn't be overwhelming to us. We should be overwhelmingly thankful that God has provided the means that we can get into his word and be taught. And yet the real issue, as we're going to see today, is not the amount of teaching available, but where our hearts are at. Are we really, truly desiring to have the word of Christ dwell richly in our hearts? And are we taking the right steps to do so? Well, let's take a look and see how we do that. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 16 and 17. Well, thanks, Greg. And as always, if you have to miss a portion of today's broadcast, you can hear this entire program online at etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Well, if you were to think of the main area of sin that most believers fail in, or specific commands from Scripture that believers regularly disobey, you probably would say, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's possible. Or love your neighbors yourself. That really covers everything. But as we've been studying the book of Colossians, we've seen some commands, as we'll look at today, such as let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. And what we'll see today, let the word of God dwell richly, and also that we are to do everything unto his name. And I would posit to you that many Christians, including ourselves at times, fail in these areas where we are not obeying these commands. And we really need to ask ourselves, why are we not doing so? Well, today we're going to see the heart attitudes that we are to have as those who have been raised with Christ. Would you turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3? And we're continuing in our study of Colossians, and I'll give a brief overview the Apostle Paul is writing the Colossian church. He's never seen them, but he has heard from Epaphras of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love for one another. But he's also heard that there are threats to their faith. There were those, chapter 2, trying to delude them with persuasive arguments, to use the world's wisdom to follow the Lord, per se. And he mentions at the end of chapter 2 all these things, the religious shadows, religious experience, and religious rules are of no value against fleshly indulgence. And then moving into chapter 3, we see what we should be thinking about, that we are to be setting our minds on the things above, not the things of earth. 
Because we've died and our life is hidden in Christ. And as we saw back in chapter 2, we have a complete salvation in Christ. And as we have received and we are to walk in him. And therefore, we are to be those who are putting off sin, saying no to it, killing it off. And we saw in chapter 3 that we're to be killing off sexual sin, not letting it live in our lives. And we're also to be putting aside these things like a dirty garment, anger, wrath, malice, piece of sweets from our mouth. By the power of the Spirit, as the Lord working in our hearts, throwing those things aside and then putting on the character of Christ, allowing his character to clothe us in our interactions with one another, that we would be like him, forgiving and bearing with one another and having a heart of humility and kindness and gentleness and love towards one another. And then last week, we came to one of the first heart command areas where we see that we are to allow or let or commanded to have the peace of Christ rule our hearts. We're to let it umpire. We're to let it be the ruling factor in our hearts, and we're to be thankful. And now today, we're going to see the last two areas of where our heart should be in the context of our relationship with Christ. Then he'll move into specific commands for marriage, which we'll look at, then for child raising and for slave-master work relationship and how we should treat non-believers. We're going to see those specific applications after we look at these portions today. So today, how are our hearts to be? Well, we're going to see that we're to have the Word dwelling richly in our hearts. The Word, let's take a look and read our passage. And I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 12 for a little context from what we've seen Verse 12, and so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then what we saw last week, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. And now our passage. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. What a wonderful passage, and I'm humbled every time I come to Passages like this that are so important and so absolutely crucial that I shared it exactly as the Lord desires. So you can pray for me as I teach that it would be exactly as he intended, that it would be what he meant. Well, as we've seen, we are to have the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. Remember, we saw that. You remember I mentioned briefly just a moment ago in context that we're to keep seeking the things above. We're to be seeking the things because we have died and our lives are hidden in Christ. We died with Christ. We were raised with him in a sense. We were placed into the body and everything he did for us was applied to us. And therefore, we're not to let sexual sin live. We're to put it off. We're to put off wrong attitudes like a dirty jacket. We're to lay it aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abuse of speech from your mouth. And that's in the context of trusting Christ, by the way. You can't do it by yourself. And we're to put them off because we are chosen and holy and beloved. We're to put on the character of Christ. We saw that in verse 12. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, as I read before, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And all of this is summed up in the context of love and put on love beyond all these things, which is the perfect bond of unity. 
And then we looked at this last week, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He says, and. He's connecting it to what he shared. So we're to make a choice, like a garment, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as the word works in our hearts, to put on the character of Christ. And then he connects this to the heart motives that need to be underneath that. We saw last time we are to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. And that's God's peace, more specifically focusing on Christ, God the Son. It's his peace. And you might remember we saw last week that God is characterized by peace. Peace, in general, speaking of that between relationships and parties, speaks of the opposite of division, dissension, and conflict and war. And then within a character, it speaks of the lack of anxiety, fear, confusion. It speaks of harmony and tranquility. So here we see the peace of Christ, and we see that God is characterized by peace. Jesus himself being the Prince of Peace, and God being the source of peace. You see, it's only when we encounter the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, we actually receive his peace. You see, when you trust in Jesus Christ, we were separated from him. We trust in him and believe in him. We have peace with God because we've been justified by faith in Jesus And our initial peace when we are saved is a result of an encounter of the grace of God and the person of Christ. Jesus is our peace, and we have positional peace with him through the forgiveness and reconciliation that comes through faith in him. Yet, as you know, and as I know, as believers, we are tempted often at times, and we often lose our peace, whether it's through difficult circumstances with people or situations or this life, whatever it might be. Just watching the news these days, whatever it might be, it is so easy to lose our peace. But that is not God's desire. Wonderful verse I shared last week, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, and I'll read it for you. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. That's pretty awesome. Every circumstance, God granting you peace, isn't that wonderful? And then we also saw, and I'm not going to re-preach it, that God's peace, his practical peace in the life of the believer doesn't have trouble. That's what the world, in the world you're going to have trouble, but Jesus said, I give you my peace, not like the world. It doesn't include fear or anxiety or confusion. God's a God of peace, not confusion. It doesn't include jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, conflict. But this peace guards our hearts and surpasses comprehension. It's a peace that only God gives. And we saw we received this peace in the context of a relationship with the living God, his spirit, bringing forth that fruit. At first, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace. And we saw in John 14 and John 16 that it is the Holy Spirit through the word of God concerning Christ that brings peace into the child of God. And all of this can't happen unless we are trusting in the Lord. Tremendous passage, Isaiah 26, 3, said, fast of mind thou will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in thee. You trust in the Lord, you keep your mind on the Lord, you're going to stay in perfect peace. There's lots of things to shake up our lives, lots of situations, all kinds of evil and bad things happening, and it shakes us up. But God's desire is for us to have peace. And then we saw here that he said, let this peace that Christ gives, the peace of Christ, rule in your hearts. And that term was like an umpire in the games. It was the arbiter. It was the one who umpires. Let it rule in your hearts. Let it be the ruling factor. Let it be determining that you understand where your heart is at. And I think all last week, if you were here last week, you're realizing, hey, I can recognize when I'm at his peace and when I'm not. When my heart's moving away, I can tell. Or I can tell when I'm relying on him, his word is in my heart, it's working in me, and I've got peace. I'm allowing that to be the standard in which I live. 
Let his peace rule your heart. And when it's not there, you realize something's wrong. There's sin, I'm worrying, or whatever it might be. When that peace is not there, let it arbitrate your heart. Let it rule over your heart. And if that's the case, you're going to be thankful. And it says, and be thankful, literally, and continually become thankful. You see, that's an evidence of the Spirit of God's work in your heart when you're thankful. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for whatever it might be. So where there is God's peace, thankfulness is right nearby. So I want to ask you right now, is the peace of Christ the standard by which your heart is judged or evaluated in life circumstances? You go through it, you know, we all know it. Things happen, all of a sudden we're all thrown out of shape. But when we trust the Lord, we allow his word to work in our hearts, there's a peace. It's the standard. Let it umpire your life. Not a phony peace. It'll be a genuine peace that has thankfulness with it, right? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Keep your heart on Jesus. And that brings us to our passage today with the second command here that we're to have. The second heart attitude that we're to have. He says here in verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we have another related command here. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, this command is in a present tense, speaks of a continual habitual action. It speaks of the word that is given by Christ and is about him. It's his word. It's the word of God. And he says there, we're commanded to let the word of Christ, present tense, richly dwell within you. And you have the second person plural here, within you all. It's the south, right? Let it dwell within you all. That's what it is. It's to be in all of us, believers, those who have trusted in Christ. Now, this verb translated dwell, en oikeo, speaks of to indwell. It speaks of indwelling. And it's interesting, this word is used almost exclusively in this form to speak of God's spirit indwelling us. We see it in Romans 8:11. but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you or indwells you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who indwells you. 2 Timothy 1.14, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells or indwells in you. What was entrusted, Timothy, Paul tells him. 2 Corinthians 6.16, where we are not to be bound and yoked with non-believers. And a few reasons, but he says, for we are the temple of God, living God, and just as God said, I will dwell or literally indwell them. And there's one other use that speaks of faith indwelling believers. In 2 Timothy 1.15, Paul speaks of the faith that first dwelt in Timothy's grandmother Lois, her mother Eunice, in which was in Timothy as well, indwelt him, dwelt within. So then Paul is commanding believers to have the word of Christ indwelling them, taking up residence within them. And for that, it needs to be welcomed, by the way. You know, no one lives in your house unless you have welcomed them in. No one indwells your house unless you've said, come on in. You have to let them in. It means we need to get the word of Christ in our hearts. Let it inhabit your very being. It needs to stay in us. But how does it do that? Well, obviously, it needs to get on our hearts and minds, in our thoughts and dwelling in our minds. And notice there is a qualification. Let the word of Christ continually indwell within you richly. The term richly speaks of abundance. 
You might remember back in chapter 1 that the Apostle Paul's prayer for these Colossians was that they might be filled to the brim with the knowledge of his will. They might be filled. Look back at Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, a couple pages back. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, that's their faith in Jesus, and we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. We are to be filled with the word of God, the knowledge of his will. We're to allow his word to occupy our beings. We're to allow it to take possession, to fill our hearts. The truth of Christ from the word of God filling our hearts on a continual basis. Be filled to the brim with his word. Top off your heart with his word. Let it dwell richly in you. Now, sadly, there are many believers who rarely have his word dwelling in their hearts, and maybe that's a sign. Maybe that's a sign that there's something wrong. You see, when the word doesn't remain in the heart, there might be something wrong. Turn to James chapter 1. James says in verse 19, and this has to do with the word of God initially here, Therefore, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. There are those who name the name of Christ who hear the word of God and immediately it's gone the minute they get away from it. It's gone. It doesn't remain in their hearts. You may want to examine yourself if that's your case because it talks about a worthless religion later on in the same passage. Yet there are some believers here who are truly believers where the word is not dwelling richly. It's dwelling, but it's not dwelling richly. And quite frankly, maybe it's dwelling poorly. The word of Christ is not receiving the full attention it deserves in the heart. It is dwelling poorly. It is pushed aside. It is is allowed to fall by the wayside. Proverbs 13, verse 13, easy to remember. The one who despises or treats lightly, the word will be in debt to it. There are believers that have it in their hearts, but it's not dwelling richly. And I believe there are many believers, as we see these Colossians were tempted, by the way, to do, who allow man's wisdom and man's ways to permeate their hearts, to dwell with, in a sense, the Word of God, and therefore it's not dwelling richly, the Word of God. It's dwelling quite poorly. Indeed, again, we saw the false teachers trying to delude them with persuasive arguments using worldly wisdom, the world's wisdom packaged through religious religiosity. And by the way, if you buy into this junk trying to relate to God through the shadows, religious experience, or rules, then I guarantee the word is not dwelling richly within you. And even worse, we have believers who are absorbed in this world through social media, television, radio, whatever it might be, and that's all that's going on in their hearts, rather than the word dwelling richly. They have the word dwelling, but it's dwelling very poorly. And I posit to say in the lives of some believers, it's dwelling 
very poorly. And I'm sure we all have understood that within our own lives at times. Let me give you an example. If you are in a relationship and you are interested in another person, then you value their word and you want to listen to it. You see people who are dating young ones. They're on the phone all the time talking to each other, texting each other. They want to hear each other. And the reality is if you are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through faith, then you're going to want to hear what he says. You're going to want to hear his word. You see, if Christ is of high value to you, then you're going to want to have his word in your heart. If he's of low value because of all this other stuff coming in, which you need to confess if that's happened. So my question is, is the word dwelling richly in you or not? It's a command for believers. If you name the name of Christ, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am his child, is it dwelling richly or poorly? It behooves us to have a proper view of him and his word. Now remember, in this context, what God's word does for us. God's word is the means in which he brought us into his family. We know James 1.18, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. We know in 1.21, as I read earlier, James, that we are to receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. We know from 1 Peter 1.23, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding word of God. All flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. We know that God brought forth the truth through his word. Paul telling Timothy says to him to stay in the word of God, and he reminds him on how he found out and understood about salvation. It was through the word. 2 Timothy 3.14, You, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them, that from your childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And he says all scriptures inspired by God. We know that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, Romans 10.17. That's the only other place the term word of Christ is, by the way, just note on that. It's by the word of Christ. And we know we're not to be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the means in which God brings forth and speaks into existence his new creation, the body of Christ. Now, not only were we born again through the living and abiding word of God, it is the means in which we grow in respect to our relationship with Jesus. We see in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul is so thankful, by the way, he says, And for this reason, we constantly thank God that when you receive from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. These pagan Thessalonians turned to God from idols. They got saved. Paul was so thankful. They saw it as God's word. And he says, which also performs its work in you who believe. God's word by his spirit works in the believer. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. 
To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, Greg, as we close today's broadcast, you said that sin will keep us from accepting the word. So take just a moment and tell us what you meant by accepting the word. Well, Dave, the scripture is clear that there are two steps involved when the scripture is presented. The first step is hearing or receiving the word, and that's the process of hearing the truth proclaimed. The second step or part is what the Apostle Paul refers to as accepting the word. That might also be translated agreeing with it or embracing it or receiving it internally. The biblical turn is akin to rolling out the welcome mat. So as you desire to grow in your relationship with Christ, we certainly need to hear the word preached. That's a prerequisite, but then we must accept it into our hearts and minds for what it truly is, the word of God. And when those two steps take place, you'll experience true spiritual growth and a deeper relationship with Christ. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again tomorrow, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church.